in late 2021. So third time we've done that. We did it in 2013 and again in 2017. And it's initially we set out to gain an understanding of how much people knew about the Maryland Food Bank, but also how much did they know about the issue of hunger or food insecurity and how important was it to Marylanders? Because we really didn't have that information. And so we ran it twice before the pandemic and then we ran it, as I said, in late 21, coming out of the pandemic. And it's an amazing repository of public opinion in Maryland. And we've learned things like over 90% of Marylanders want the state government to do more to address the root causes of food insecurity and to spend more tax dollars on this, on solving this issue for good. Welcome to What's the 211 podcast, where we provide you with information about resources and programs in your community. 211 Maryland is a health and human service line for anyone seeking help for themselves or someone else. You can dial 211 if you need help with food, rent, or other services. Text your zip code to 898211 or visit our website at www.211md.org. If you or someone is in a mental health crisis or needs help with substance abuse, dial 211 and press 1 to immediately be connected with someone. Good morning. Welcome to What's the 211 podcast. We are excited to be joined by Meg Kimmel, Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer with the Maryland Food Bank. Meg, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Quentin. Thanks so much for having us. No problem. Glad you were able to join us. So can you tell us a little bit about the Maryland Food Bank and the role it has statewide? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Food Bank is a name that most people recognize, but what most people don't quite fully understand is the breadth and scope of our services. So our mission in a nutshell is to feed people, strengthen communities and end hunger for more Marylanders. And now more than ever, after coming out of the pandemic, we have really seen that the food assistance safety net that we've built and that we support has been able to withstand any kind of crisis. We have a lot of subject matter expertise around programs. We have some wonderful partnerships across the state. In fact, a network of more than 1,100 community-based partners. And our job is to make people in Maryland able to access food today when they need it, and also to put a lot of effort into our programming around ending or addressing the root causes of food insecurity. That's great. So I, I know it's you know by a lot of partnerships, but how, how do individuals actually seek help or connect with the Maryland Food Bank, and, and who do you actually serve? Right. So I'll take the first question, part of that question first. So the way people access help is through those community-based partners. So food banks, large food banks like the Maryland Food Bank, we mostly work through what we call last mile organizations. So those would be a food pantry, a shelter, a soup kitchen, a community organization, a faith-based organization that's in the community where people live. And we provide food and resources for those organizations and increasingly funding. And so when people are looking for help, they can look in their communities and they can find resources locally. And one of the things that we do to make that easy is we have a page on our website. We call it our find food. And it's a sort of like a store locator where you can type in your zip code and you can look and see what Maryland Food Bank supported organizations are in your neighborhood. So that's a really easy way for people to find resources 
And the other thing I'd say in terms of who do we serve, it's anyone who needs help accessing food. Our partners are school pantries. We have pop-up pantries. We deliver to senior centers. We have food pantries in different communities. So we do not advocate that there should be any kind of restriction on who can access services. Self-declaration of need is an indicator of need. And we think that that's the best way for people to get over the hurdle of asking for food assistance, which we know can be challenging. Yes, definitely, definitely. And so I, I saw on your website where the Merlin Food Bank has created a hunger map. And so tell us a little bit why that's important and what, what does it show? Sure. So our hunger map is a great tool for us. It shows a couple of important things. One, it shows what we're doing. So you can look and see on there, there's a series of dots by color that shows all of the different programs that the Maryland Food Bank operates. And you can see where we're deploying resources in, in terms of food, how much is going out, and who's doing that work in partnership with the food bank. And then the second thing is we have another sort of series of data sets that feed into what we call a layer of indicators of need. So what we want to be able to accomplish with the hunger map is twofold. One, we want to be able to look at the work that we're doing and compare that to levels of need in the community. So we can see if there's a community where we're adequately meeting the need in terms of food, or there's parts of Maryland where there's still a gap, right? Whatever's happening isn't enough. Maybe there's not anything happening at all. So we want to be able to visualize where there are areas that we call hunger hotspots. And these are areas that are underserved either because of traditional lack of access to food, or maybe there's a higher level of need because of something like the pandemic. So, and the last thing I'll say about that is that we really wanted to also do this as a way to be transparent. Coming out of the pandemic, there's a lot of organizations now entering the food assistance space and a lot of new energy, but sometimes not as much knowledge about what's already going on. So we want anybody that's interested in, in helping provide food in their communities to be able to look on this map, see where the Maryland Food Bank is already doing work so that we're not duplicating. And it sounds like a great way for organizations and partners to really see, you know, what gaps are and learn, you know, about those gaps. Have, you know, based on the data and information that you all have been able to learn from this, has there been any particular programs, initiatives created as a result of that? Yes, there have. And we are very actively working on a strategic plan, which is a great tool in terms of helping all of our folks at the food bank work together, which is always takes a lot of effort, as you know. Yes. And so what we've been able to do is we've been able to focus our programming, and that includes food distribution, but also other partnerships to address those root causes of hunger on what we've now can see are the hunger hotspots. So instead of looking at sort of, we had tools before that we used, but they were just much more like basic measurement in terms of how much food is going into Howard County, how much food is going into Allegheny County. And now we can actually look and see in a zip code or even in a census designated area, are there places where there's high levels of need, but not enough resources. So our program staff now has much more information around where to deploy new services and programs. So that's a huge step forward mm -hmm. for us. And then we've also done some more tactical things, like we launched a new program called a mobile market. And we've always done mobile pop-ups. We have a pantry on the go program that we've been running for about a decade, but the mobile market's like a food truck sized vehicle. It's designed to be a shop through pre-pandemic. We created it, of course, designed to be a shop through client choice, neighbor choice. So people can go through and take the food that they want, high percentage of produce, fruits, vegetables, proteins, highly nutritious shelf-stable food. So designed to be a mobile grocery store. And that is something that we're deploying in those hunger hotspots where there literally are no other options for food. So we are definitely using that hunger map and more to come as we continue to build that out. That's great. And I definitely would encourage anyone to go to the website to, to take a look at that. 
And so you know, we know May is a mental health month and access to nutrition, food is really a critical social determinant of health. So, you know, understanding that a person's access to healthy food can really affect their mental health. What, what have you all learned regarding your work with the food bank and, and mental health and those that are seeking support? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. You know, one of the conversations that we've been having internally over the past couple of years around, as we talk about how to address the root causes of food insecurity, you know, we're looking to define what those are. And so we have some access to data and research and things like that, that indicate that more often than not, the key driver of food insecurity is a lack of financial resources. But we also understand that there's a universe, an ecosystem of drivers and results from being food insecure. And so, you know, as we look at chronic disease, chronic food insecurity, you know, and even in a, in a clinical hospital setting, the clinicians are focused on malnutrition, which is, a, you know, really a chronic lack of adequate nutrients. Right. And so we understand that you know, if we're not really partnering in this healthcare space and trying to address the implications, physical or mental, of food insecurity, that we're not really going to be touching all of the root causes of stress and actually of hunger itself. So, doing a lot more with um, healthcare partnerships. We have about a half a dozen established currently, more in the works, and and we're going to be prioritizing this work even further as we go forward. That's good. You know, as we definitely understand, you know, not having food or access can be stressful. You know, speaking of mental health, the, the pandemic, you know, that's really affected everyone, especially, you know, access to food. How has the food bank changed, you know, pre-pandemic into currently what the guys are doing now? Yeah, <laughs> the easy answer is, in, you know, almost every way, but there's lots that hasn't changed as well. I mean, we mm-hmm. had written a strategic plan before the pandemic that really did clearly articulate that we wanted to do more to provide pathways out of hunger to address the root causes of hunger. So that pre-existed the pandemic. The pandemic pulled us completely over into the food distribution work because of the level of need and the fact that people couldn't go out and all kinds of, it was just, as everyone is well aware, all kinds of stresses on the system in terms of job loss or people mm-hmm. just needing to stay home because it wasn't safe to go out. So, so a lot of our programming has changed. One example of that is we developed a new product called a backup box. And that is a box that is, it's an emergency food box that has, we have two options. One is 30 pounds, one's 15 pounds. They're designed to be a low touch, no touch distribution way to get food out into the community in a way that's safe. And so when you saw those lines of cars on the evening news, or you see, you know, people walking up, they're taking boxes versus going through this choice model where they're able to choose their food because that wasn't a good idea during the pandemic. So, you know, we've learned to be, we, we focus on home delivery in a way that we did not before the pandemic. And some of these things we're hanging on to. I mean, we've overall, our, our learning is that we're a lot more agile than we gave ourselves credit for. And, you know, the hard part of this work is figuring out what you can do less of or let go of so that you can continue to focus on really reaching the need today and continuing to build that out in a really effective way. Yeah. With all the work that's been going on again, you know, through the pandemic and how how much stress that that has just put on the community and especially the work that you all are doing, how do you all support yourselves, you know, during, you know, daily with their mental health, ensuring that your staff has what they need in order to support those across the state? Mm-hmm. There's a story that I really like to tell, which is in the early days of the pandemic, your listeners may or may not know that we have a working warehouse, we have a fleet of vehicles, so we have drivers, we have cooks, we have warehouse workers, and they all had to come to work to do their job, just like first responders everywhere did. And then we had other people on our staff who said, I never thought of ourselves as a, the Maryland Food Bank as a first responder. 
because we'd never really been put in that position before. We weren't, we're not an emergency room or, you know, we're not, we're not a clearly, we're not EMTs. We're not clearly in that space, but during the pandemic we were. And so that was really distressing in terms of the organization. So what we did in the beginning was whether or not we could work remotely, we all came into the office and that was just a, you know, some of us don't have the option to work from home. So we're all coming in and that worked for about a year. And then as the numbers of COVID cases increased, we backed off that. And we actually asked our team who could work remotely to please work remotely to help keep those safe who were coming in. So again, we're learning as we go. So there was that driver for us. We learned during the pandemic, not only that, you know, that we needed to be more relational with our staff and make sure that we were taking care of each other, but also the racial reckoning that happened around the murder of George Floyd and the need for us to just carve out space internally Mm -hmm. as people to have conversations and to just be together and talk things out. And we didn't do that in any sort of organized way. We just started it. Now we're much more intentional about it. We've brought on a wonderful consulting group called Sage Wellness, who's leading us on a DEI journey and they're terrific resource to us. And But we've just slowed down. While we've been going really fast and faster than ever before, we've also slowed down and we've created space for conversation. We've created more space for relationship. We understand that everyone's bringing their whole self to work. And we've done some tactical things like we have a newsletter that goes out every week or two called MFB Cares, where we just we just provide resources. In addition to our standard kind of HR, you know, employee assistance programs, we want to link out to other resources in the community, including mental health resources and utility assistance and anything that that somebody may need who works at the food bank, or they may have a friend or family that needs some additional resources too. So we're trying to do that. And, you know, we're really paying attention to retention and, you know, making sure that we're trying to, we're trying to stay current with the upheaval in the job market as a way to keep our strong team intact as best we can. Yeah, this is definitely a challenge, especially, you know, you want to make sure we take care of the staff that has to you know, take care of everyone else. But that is um, that is great. On your website, I, I saw that, you know, there's a section titled when public perception matches the reality of hunger, which I thought was very interesting. Can you talk a little bit about what that particularly means? Sure. So we did a this is the third public we ran a public perception poll in late 2021. It's the third time we've done that. We did it in 2013 and again in 2017. And it's initially we set out to gain an understanding of how much people knew about the Maryland Food Bank, but also how much did they know about the issue of hunger or food insecurity and how important was it to Marylanders? Because we really didn't have that information. And so we ran it twice before the pandemic. And then we ran it, as I said, in late 21, coming out of the pandemic. And it's an amazing repository of public opinion in Maryland. And we've learned things like over 90% of Marylanders want the state government to do more to address the root causes of food insecurity and to spend more tax dollars on on solving this issue for good. We ask questions about, have you experienced food insecurity yourself? And so this is a really important data point that matches up with some of our more rigorous research that we've done that tells us that one in three people in the state of Maryland have experienced food insecurity themselves. So that's a stunning number. Mm -hmm. And um, again, really interesting that we got it through this in-person, you know, individualized poll. And it's the same result that we got through 
combining some data from the Urban Institute and the United Way's ALICE reports and data research and jobless claims and census data. So we did the analysis that showed one in three, which is very different than any other reporting that's coming out about food insecurity right now, because we're able to add in some real-time data sets and we're not just looking at pre-pandemic numbers. So that's a pretty stunning number. And then to have this public perception poll say, yes, in fact, that's true. When we talk directly to Maryland citizens, we find that one in three people have faced food insecurity themselves. So it's a very important issue. Marylanders care about it, and they really believe that it's something that we can solve. And so for us, it's energizing, it's motivating, and it just fuels our messaging and it fuels our relationships with a lot of energy. Yeah, I mean, that's a stunning number. Was there any anything that also stood out that surprised you about the data that you all received back? I don't think so. I would say no. There's nothing that really surprised us. It's more validating because again, when you're, (laughs) this is the Maryland Food Bank's on so many journeys right now, but one of them is we want to be more data informed. And so what it does for us is it allows us to not say, we think that we know that, but actually we heard from Marylanders and they told us that which is really validating. So we have a lot of really smart, talented, experienced people who work at the food bank and we know a lot of things, but to have rigorous surveying that comes back and shows us what we thought we knew, but in a way that's reliable and evidence-based is, it's a big step forward for us. Yeah, it is. So we know that, you know, the Maryland Food Bank offers more than just food as you informed us, but I, I read about a cool initiative on your site called Food Works Culinary Training Program. So what, how, how did that get started? Yeah, FoodWorks is a 10-year-old program that's housed at our Hale Thorpe facility in a commercial kitchen, which is actually being expanded and renovated right now. So it's going to be a really state-of-the-art commercial kitchen. It's a 12-week program, no cost to students. It's accredited by Community College of Baltimore County. And we bring four cohorts through that program a year. And it's about 20 to 25 students per cohort. Our expansion will hopefully allow us to about double that number, which we're really excited about. And we, you know, the the headline is it's knife skills and life skills. So lots of culinary training, how to be in the kitchen, how to cut, how to prep, how to keep everyone safe with hot, (laughs) hot foods and flames. And then also how to be a good colleague and how to show up on time and how to have your resume ready for an interview prep and all those things that that will be needed. And we do a lot of support through the job placement process as well. We have an employer council that we listen to and learn from, and we have a lot of organizations and businesses that come back to us over and over again, looking for more graduates from FoodWorks. So it's a really exciting program. We've actually just expanded it. We have a small satellite program in Baltimore City at the UA House on Fayette Street. And then we're just in our first cohort at Warwick Community College in Wicomico County on the Eastern Shore with students going there. And we'll be graduating just in time for the summer season. So it's a workforce development program. We're playing in the workforce development space even more with some other tracks into different careers, but we really love FoodWorks. It's the best of the best in terms of culinary training programs and in our region. And we're excited to stand on its shoulders as we build out new ways to help people get connected into family sustaining jobs of the future. Yeah, it really aligns with the work that you do. So for, you know, we know it's, you know, it's also difficult for, you know, individuals accessing food, as we talked about, you know, with some of the mental health challenges and, and other needs. Based on what you know, what is the experience of someone sort of reaching out, you know, for help, you know, in order to get food? Like, what should they expect in working even with your community partners or just trying to access food for maybe the first time? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a really important question. And, and one of the reasons it's so important is that we know from research that actually the Bloomberg School of Public Health was part of a coalition of research institutes that 
published research that said that some 40% of people who are food insecure for the first time won't seek out help from a food pantry or a food distribution organization. It's too embarrassing. They'll do a lot of things before they will go there. And a lot of them will just lean on friends and family, but won't actually seek out help, even if it is available. And so we know that's a problem. And, and so when we look at that and we think about what that experience is like for people who are seeking out assistance, we know that it varies. And as I mentioned earlier, we believe in client choice and neighbor choice. So we believe that people should be able to choose the food that they take home, that their kids will eat, that their family likes, that is culturally familiar, and that's nutritious. And so that includes produce, it includes protein, and um, includes a lot of good options. And so having a network of, you know, a thousand plus distribution points, some of which we have more control over, for example, those mobile distribution programs I spoke of earlier, that's food that we're putting together and putting out there. So we have a lot of control over what that looks like. But at a food pantry, they might be getting some of their food from the Maryland Food Bank, but some of their food may be coming from other places. They may have their own process for how that's handed out, how that's distributed. So we think there's a role for us to play in in really educating around best practices and really using and working with community leaders and neighbors to understand what their experience is and how might it be improved. And then we have a pretty big megaphone that we want to use to share that information out to the rest of our network to help move them closer towards something that is a really dignified and inclusive process for people seeking out help. It's a big job. And it's, as I said, we can influence, but we can't dictate at the food bank. So, but we certainly will leverage our ability to influence to the full degree that we can. Okay. Yeah. And with that, you know, knowledge and training, you know, also comes the advocacy. And we know that, you know, Maryland Food Bank is really extremely active in advocating for policies to address food insecurity. Can you talk a little bit about some of the priorities that, you know, you all are working on that were important for the organization? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we actually were able to fully engage in the General Assembly this past year in a more intentional way than we ever have before. We, we hired a full-time director of government relations, which we haven't had in the past. And one of the reasons that we haven't is because we know there's a lot of other organizations out there who do excellent work in the advocacy space. And we work really closely with them and support their efforts. But we realized that if we were really gonna do work to address the root causes of hunger, we have to also be at the table in terms of advocating for systems level change. And so mm-hmm. we're excited to be able to have Ann Wallerstedt on our team who's doing that work. And so we were able to get behind some legislation this year that included funding for more dollars for local fresh produce grown in Maryland for food insecure Marylanders, for Maryland market money, which is the kind of the double your bucks program at farmer's markets, and also for some additional funding for school meals for children. So we are just getting going in the advocacy space, still doing a lot of listening. Still, we do what we've always done really well at educating elected officials about the issue. So we continue to do a lot of that work. And we have very strong relationships with the elected officials and agency leaders in our state and even up to the governor. We're continuing to advocate for, you know, for solutions for the future that will really do more to end hunger for good. And, you know, meanwhile, we're also still championing the message that we have to keep providing more food today because the levels Mm -hmm. of need are higher than they've ever been before. So we're trying to really keep both of those topics top of mind for decision makers. That is true. And so, you know, knowing that the Maryland Food Bank is a 501c3 organization, so for Marylanders interested in supporting the food bank, you know, how can they learn about more opportunities and, and what that kind of support could be? 
Sure. So again, I would refer your listeners to our website. It's a good source of information, both about the work that the Maryland Food Bank does. And also you can see all those local partner organizations that we work with. And so if someone's looking to support an organization in their community, it's the Find Food tab on the website, but you'll be able to see what organizations are doing work in your neighborhood. So yeah, everyone that we work with is either also a 501c3 or they're a faith-based organization. So all of our partners would be happy to receive support as would the food bank. Are there any other social media handles or uh, other ways to, to stay in touch that folks should know about? Yeah. So we're everywhere. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn and also on Twitter. So look for us there. In in closing, is there anything else that you'd like to share with folks about the Maryland Food Bank or just food insecurity at all? Yeah, I mean, I think we've covered the topic of food insecurity pretty well, but I, I always think it's important to just speak about and celebrate the partnerships that we have. And with organizations, like I've mentioned, the food pantries and the shelters and the community based organizations, but it's also with organizations like 211 and county governments and you know, local management boards and Department of Human Services, Department of Agriculture. I mean, these big sort of overarching organizations that can be a place where resources come together and are deployed in a really, you know, strategic and effective way. Those partnerships are really important to the Maryland Food Bank as well. And we are actively engaged in many of them and in that work. And so I I say that just as a way to say that while we are a really strong independent organization, we can't do our best work at all without partnerships. And so that's a big piece of how we spend our, our human capital at the food bank is trying to leverage the power of our collective impact as different organizations to really change the future for Maryland families. Thank you. And so Meg, definitely appreciate you joining us and help us to understand and learn more about the breadth of the work of the Maryland Food Bank. We do appreciate your partnership. So thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and subscribing to What's the 211 Podcast. We are here for you 24-7, 365 days a year, simply by calling 211. Also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at 211 Maryland or at dragondigitalradio.podbean.com. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.